Folks, welcome back here on Trainwreck tonight. Why does it say 237? It's 327. Damn you, intern. 327. But you know it's always sponsored by the place to buy a case. Outlet Liquor. George Urban Boulevard, Depew. Need I say more? 2024, they got what you need and more. Speaking of and more, let's get him in here. Your friend, my friend, our friend, Mr. Micah. Mr. Micah, quite a weekend for us here. Big weekend. I, uh, I love now that since... The Super Bowl got moved back. The Royal Rumble, they moved it to that Saturday because it used to be in between the weeks. So you'd, it would be, it was like a nice steady flow. So this weekend will be, will feel really light compared to this week. But to have the Rumble hype all day Saturday and then you wake up and start getting ready for conference championships and watch those games yesterday unfold, hell of a weekend if you're a wrestling and football fan as we both are. Seriously, Saturday night into Sunday, it was one Rumble from start to finish. But let's talk, start on the conference championships uh, were you surprised at how we got here? I guess would be the first question. Uh, were you surprised that the Ravens kind of struggling with the Chiefs defense? Or were you surprised that the Lions were able to jump out to such a lead on the road against San Francisco? Well, the, yeah, I mean, the, the way the games worked out and the way they played out was extremely surprised of how it was going, especially the way that, that Ravens Chiefs game started. It started out like you were going to get a shootout. You had the, the drive right down the field from KC, the deep shot to Flowers, KC answers again. I'm like, all right, this is just going to be two, you know, Hall of Fame, potentially Hall of Fame level quarterbacks in the future. MVP worthy quarterbacks going to go blow for blow. And then they each got field goals the rest of the way in, in that game. And it really slowed down. Um, and that was that was what I was looking at going into the game. The defenses of uh, just how the defenses kind of attack these other quarterbacks. And it really just came down to situational plays. And the one thing that is very evident and that we all just need to remember is that Patrick Mahomes just doesn't fuck up in those situations. Like he does not mess up in any of these situational times. Like he's always going to come through and make the right decision, whether the guys are going to make the play for him or not. That's another question, or at least it was a question in the regular season, but I don't know. He got, 
you know, MVS, the secret, the secret sauce or the Michael Jordan's uh, special drink from Space Jam or something in the playoffs and just got Kelsey the same thing to come up in the way he came up this game. And maybe Kelsey was maybe Kelsey was leading us on the whole year. Maybe he was waiting to really ball out towards the end of the year. Who knows, you know, in his age. But it really just came down to situationally that that Chiefs team was completely ready. They didn't seem phased by the moment, didn't seem phased going into Baltimore. And Baltimore looked like they were hyped up. And then that can be good in some ways, but it did not, it worked against them in their favor with the taunting penalties and just undisciplined. And, you know, that you can't make mistakes against this Chiefs team. So I was really surprised about that. The Lions, bro, I, I don't know, man. Like, I, where do you sit on, on the damn Campbell second half here, I guess? Yeah, I don't, I mean, this is the thing. I, I love the aggressive nature. I love it all season long. And my take is that if you can go up two scores, or three scores on the road, you quote unquote take the points. And I and a lot of people have said, well, taking the points doesn't guarantee the field goal kicker makes it. That's absolutely correct. But I think it was just such a big momentum swing when they didn't go up three scores and they didn't go up two scores and they could have. And obviously the fumble in the second half, they did kind of give that one away. So let's get into it real quick. You have the Ravens, who are the one seed almost the whole way. Lamar has been, you know, MVP favorite since what, early November, late November, when they kind of started this jaunt. Uh, who was the bigger train wreck this weekend? The Ravens falling so flat at home, even after getting the bye to start off the playoffs, or the Lions being up 17 and a half and letting it squander away? I got to put it on the Ravens because it was just a failure across the board. And you have the MVP who has a performance like that yesterday. It was just never good for Lamar. And whether that you blame that on Lamar fully, the game plan was weird. They had eight rushes yesterday, Maniac, outside of like they had eight rushes outside of Lamar. Two of them were, were Zay Flowers on little like sweeps that were behind the like the running backs didn't get action in this game. Some short yardage action. They kind of went away from their identity early in this game. And we knew that the way it's crazy. I don't want to bring the Bills into this conversation too much because there's been a lot of conjecture. And I did make the points right away, right after this game. Like, huh, interesting that we had these conversations all week and where the Bills were in this game, where the Ravens were, but that's neither here nor there. The Bills game plan was the right game plan against this Chiefs defense, which has been great all year. We knew how good it was. Everybody still was kind of like, ah, like, are they going to do that in the playoffs again? And they've clamped down when they needed to in the playoffs and especially against this team. The Bills game plan was to play short against that team because those corners are going to, they're going to be all over you if you wait in coverage at all. And that's what they were yesterday. The Ravens wanted to push the ball down the field a lot. And Legereus Sneed and everybody else back there was just locked down. How many times did they do a zoom out of Lamar kind of scrambling around and every man is just covered the whole time. I'm on the mute monster Velcro as uh, Tony Romo was saying when they were looking at those overhead views for sure. Uh, so you have the Ravens then as the bigger train wreck. I think so because like, obviously the, you know, letting up a big lead and everything else is, is, is a big train wreck, but the Ravens, you know, going into their, your first home game, all the hype and everything else. You're the one seed. This is supposed to be your year. And to show up like that, just, it was disappointing from the Ravens, like right from the jump. At least the Lions, you saw it there. You saw like how it could unfold that way uh, yeah. in the end. You know, the Ravens, I don't know what the fuck happened to them. Seriously. And I, I view it the same way. I think at the end of the day, the Lions became more of a disaster. Like you can't look away, car crash, like, you know, absolutely abysmal. You look at a 17 point lead becoming a 10 point deficit. In the second half, you know, they had to come back just to get within three points. Uh, but from beginning to end, the Ravens, just losers. I hate to say it, Ravens, you guys are losers. <laughs> you were losers a couple weeks ago when you didn't, you know, give the Steelers your best shot. 
Yep. And what happened, yeah. Micah? The offense never really got going in the playoffs. Even against Houston, they kind of needed some bailouts. And you saw it yesterday. They were absolutely stagnant against that Kansas City uh, defense. What? Kansas City, I think Sneaky Joe said, scored three points on their final nine drives and won. How is that even possible? How do you win that game? How, do How you is win that, that even game? possible? The With only that- possibility is a train wreck. Because you're looking back on it. The Lions, you're like, yeah, we were good in the first half. We came out. The game plan was right. We were absolutely like clicking on all cylinders. The Ravens never did one thing right. They were wrong from the beginning. And you're so right. People talking all week, oh, you can't get over the Chiefs up. I tweeted it out almost like halfway through the second quarter yesterday. Doesn't bother me at all because nobody else can. It would bother me if people were constantly beating the Chiefs. If Burrow was beat, like Burrow beat the Chiefs once on basically a massive fluke. He was he was down 14. Chiefs somehow shelled up. I don't know how that happened at Arrowhead. It was a fluke. Joe Burrow's really proven nothing. He is as much as Allen, if not less. I don't care about the conference championship win. But yeah. that said, yeah, the, the Ravens are a disaster. They're a train wreck. And this is going to plague them. Lamar Jackson will never win a Super Bowl. Mark my words. Lamar Jackson wow. will never, ever well, here's win the a thing. Super Bowl. The thing that I thought about with Lamar, and like he's obviously, he's incredible. He's going to win more, be in more MVP conversations, more all-pro conversations, do incredible things the rest of his career. But it felt like, you know, you're watching, if you go to like a high school conference championship game and you have the one kid on the team yes. who's like outstanding and has led their team to 11 and 0 because they played against like a weaker schedule or whatever and then you play like the 5a stud team and they just have the game plan to keep you out it's like okay find your second and third option and lamar wanted every the, the one thing i will say everybody wants to talk about the josh allen hero bar ball that was all lamar hero ball yesterday he he put he put too much on his shoulders. He was trying to extend plays way too long. He wasn't taking off and running early. He was like holding on to the ball longer than you would expect. He was trying to do way too much on his own in that game. And mind you, it's probably because that defense was perfectly set up to defend him. But yeah, it was you shouldn't have faith in the Ravens compared to if you're going into next season, we're talking about contenders. The Chiefs are obviously going to be picked to win go to the Super Bowl again. No one's going to pick against them. But it has to be the Bills, Bengals, and then the Ravens in that order if Burrow's healthy because that's what we've seen in this, these playoff scenarios. Lamar can put up the stats and go 15-2 and two in the regular season all he wants. That playoff, like his playoff stat line right now, six touchdowns, six interceptions, like 1,300 yards and six – like it's disgusting. It's not out of a guy like that. The Lions, I haven't really touched on the Lions at all this point because they just felt like – the Lions, I mean, the Lions literally played the role of the Bills yesterday. I hate to say yes, it, but that was that really heartbreak, did. like come out great, looking great. Like this is the bell of the ball. If you're in Detroit, I don't even blame you. I don't care about jinxes. I don't yeah, care they, about anything. I don't, if you weren't thinking about the Super Bowl at halftime, you're crazy. How could you're you not, not a human. And they stopped showing Ford Field real quick. They did. <laughs> real quick on that broadcast. To be honest, those were the shots I wanted to see. I, <laughs> I hate know, to say, I you know, it. you know, humans love devastation, but the, uh, the thing about the Lions, at least from the Niners side of it, is that the Niners did this last week to the Packers, right? Like the Packers were dominating the lot or dominating the Niners for two and a half quarters, three quarters, but they couldn't put the Niners away. And then they just stormed back. Now the Lions had a bigger lead. It looked like they were, you know, in more control of that game. But the Niners had done that the week before. And the Brock Purdy conversation, I've had to do some real soul searching about Brock Purdy in the last 24 hours because he still doesn't impress me like minute to minute in a football game but you can't deny that it, the, the last two of these playoff scenarios he's been perfect 
Like every so every sixteen yesterday for a stretch in the yeah. Every so often he whips a throw in there where you're just like, holy moly, that was that was a toss. But then every so often he doesn't do anything. You're like, well, was it wasn't wasn't uh you know scripted the right way for him or whatever. So I think he's kind of like a Tua where. If the script goes well, he can make some great throws. And he's obviously got an NFL arm. You can't, like, get drafted in the NFL without having, a, like, a relative yeah. cannon. You have some level of a cannon. And Purdy that- was a – he was a five-star recruit coming out of college. Like, he was recruited by Alabama, by all these places, and went to Iowa State because he's from there and every. So, it's like – the pedigree has always been there for a guy like Brock Purdy. But he was – like, we obviously know the story. I, I forgot. He it, Was it mentioned this weekend how many times that he's Mr. Irrelevant? He was the last pick in the draft? <laughs> I mean, that's kind of an a, a NFL, like, that's a movie story for sure. Last pick in the draft to quarterbacking in the Super Bowl. Probably not going to happen too often. Uh, before we get into some Bills news real quick in the middle of this, uh, you know, 49ers Chiefs Super Bowl, uh, real quick, your thought on the taunting penalty in Baltimore, Detroit, and your thoughts on taunting overall in sports. I'm going to go chime in real quick. No, there should be no taunting in sports. I, there should only be disrespectful behavior penalties where you literally get thrown out of the game. It should be to a level where you would throw the person out for what they did so egregious. And my example of this is like Josh Allen pointing or a player flexing. That shouldn't be anything. The Shaquille O'Neal dunk where he like literally like humps like the New York Knicks guy, like that's disrespectful behavior and should be thrown out of the game. And that should just go across all sports in my opinion. But your thoughts? Yeah, I was going to say, if it's something obscene, then yeah, give him him a, you know, personal foul or something like that and and unsportsmanlike conduct and call your day but this is ridiculous yeah that the fact that you could swing a game uh, like that game 54 yard gain turning into a 34 yard gain in that yesterday and they didn't score a touchdown on that drive obviously like that because he flexed and stood over it's not he didn't even step over him he barely looked at him everything it's it's i'm completely agreeing with you it's got to be egregious if you're gonna call taunting nowadays or or if it starts a fight like just break up a fight. I don't care. Who cares if what you want to see? Like the NFL is like, oh, we got to show out. Yeah, like that can't like do that. that. That's disrespectful behavior. That's, that's not a taunt. But if you're talking to me about a flex, a point when these guys are making twenty x the average salary of a human, with the average embarrassment that a human has to go through, with the average humiliation that a human has to go through in the every week, these guys can't get flexed at or pointed x. We're worried that someone might reflect and do this poor switch. To hell with that. Get taunting out of all these sports. Fans want to see taunting. Bro, 100%. And, like, the emotion of an AFC championship game in your home stadium. Like, can we give the guys a break for, like, two seconds? But I will say, we knew going into that game that that Sean Smith, the referee, it was a storyline all week about how much he was in favor of road. I think he was 14-2 and for road teams or something crazy this year. That yeah. he was so I was looking out for every chance that they could call something against the Ravens, and that felt like a scenario where there was a flag coming out no matter what happened in that game. And the Ravens didn't need the or the Chiefs didn't need the refs' help in this game at all. Like the Chiefs, the Chiefs did not. Scored. They executed perfectly. They, yeah. they probably would have won by a field goal or something, but they did not need any help in this game for sure. Uh, speaking of needing help, before we talk about the Super Bowl and you know all the red flags we're throwing on that. Right before the game started, we got some Bills news. We got twofold. We got that Ken Dorsey was signed by the Browns, which I thought was a little surprising, to be honest. But we got the news that's less surprising. Joe, Coach Joe, Joe Brady, officially the OC for the Buffalo Bills. So I think once Josh gave him, you know, the sign of approval, Josh saying he wants something is kind of like, I, I can't even describe it, but if McDermott and Bean did anything but what Josh wanted, 
it's going to be like looked terribly upon by the fan base. So I think they kind of did the fake search. They went on and, you know, pretended to look for a couple of people. Oh, we looked at this person. Oh, we looked at this person. So they could say they did their diligence and they hired Coach Joe. Is that what you think as well? And are you happy about it going in? Yeah, I think that they, you know, they, yeah, they wanted to go through a little bit of a process, hear some other ideas, do some self-scouting, maybe like, what can we work on better? Like, what would, how would you maximize this offense? And Joe Brady makes the most sense. So the offense was fine the second half of the year. I think that, you know, there's probably people, you know, looking at numbers that'll say like it, it was the output was even under him and Dorsey and everything else. But it's the connection with Josh that we're talking about here. Clearly yeah. Brady and the rest of the team too. Like clearly Brady got those guys bought in and energized to a level that Ken Dorsey just wasn't doing, which makes the funny part of the, imagine in Ken Dorsey and Deshaun Watson trying to work together to fix him is something that is really interesting to me for a guy who didn't seem like he connect with his team and his quarterback very much. So I think that the Bills made the right decision for continuity's sake, for Josh's sake. And if they get him more weapons, this offense is going to be explosive again next year. The, the reason I think like James Cook was unleashed under Joe Brady. Like we saw what he can do with talent on this offense. Khalil Shakir continued his uh, resurgence or, or his, um, I guess, breaking out this year with Joe Brady and was utilized way more in the second half of that year. Like if you get this guy some actual like talent on the outside that we know that we talked about last week on pay the bills, we want the bills to address the talent disparity at receiver. I'm, I'm really excited to see what he could do because he was not somebody that wanted to force the ball one way or another. It was let the defense like dictate to us and we will respond and adapt to that. And if they have weapons all over the field, Josh is going to be cooking next year with Joe Brady. That's what I think. Yeah, I, I agree. I liked what we saw. I liked, I don't know exactly what happened. Josh kind of said that he simplified some of the concepts. I don't know if that's what's ha- what happened necessarily as much as that he tweaked things because it looked like exactly like you said. Just the decision-making was yeah. easier. And most importantly, James Cook was unleashed. And when James Cook gets unleashed, that makes Allen that much more a threat when he drops back to pass. And that makes him even more of a threat when he drops back to pass and tucks it. He's the biggest thing, James Cook. Like just from that you see on the field, but Josh can't just come out there and say the vibes were better. Like that's what I feel like it was. They just they had a guy who related to them more, and this is a team that really feeds off of like the energy within that building and everything else. And if Ken was coming in there the way we you know all meme about Ken, it makes sense. You know, and I think they loved Ken genuinely too. Like that's yes. why people are always like, well, Josh liked Ken too, but he just kind of had that like aspect where it's like you could see things were uneasy once once yeah. it started once struggles started or whatever but when we had that same struggles for example you know 20 minutes into the chargers game you know you didn't see any you know conflating issues they were able to get on track and they were able to make it happen and part of that is josh allen being josh allen at the end of the day which will always help coach joe but unfortunately True. the one thing i learned this weekend is that there's basically josh allen patrick mahomes and everybody else as far as quarterbacks go and i and that mm. is with due respect to lamar jackson uh, and a couple of others, Herbert might, uh, you know, make another step under Harbaugh, things like that. But we got Chiefs 49ers in Vegas. Are you surprised with the 49ers two very slow starts in the playoffs here uh, that they're a favorite in this game? I am Narrow surprised. favorite. What is it? What is it down to now? Or, or I, I guess mean, what's I... more surprising with two slow starts, them being a favorite or the fact that the Chiefs are an underdog again. It's like, that's, it's like the, that's the thing to me at this point. Yeah. The Chiefs now went like. The Niners were at home and struggled with, uh, you know, going into the playoffs, a far less superior Packers team. Well, who knows what remains to be seen for next year. Jordan Love might just be entering one of those conversations the way he played the second half of last year. 
And with the Lions team, where they make the comeback and everything else, but the Chiefs go on the road to arguably their two biggest comp, uh, pieces of competitors in the AFC, go into Buffalo, win that game, go into Baltimore, win that game. How can you doubt this team in, a, in this Super Bowl scenario? And how can you doubt Mahomes in this scenario? Like, it doesn't feel like we watched Purdy struggle immensely against one of these tough defenses. When they played the Ravens, Purdy, like we obviously know that how that game went on Monday night. He had four picks. He looked terrible the whole night. This Chiefs defense is just as good, if not better, than that Ravens defense. We just saw it happen last week. Do we think that Purdy is going to be able to do what Josh Allen did a couple weeks ago? Because if you score 20 points, basically, against the Chiefs, you win, unless you're the Buffalo Bills in the divisional round. So that's what they really need to get to. Like That's what we talked about all year. You get to 20 on the Chiefs. Can Brock Purdy get to 20 on the Chiefs? Like The weapons are all over, but I feel like the Chiefs have the answers to match up with your weapons. Now, McCaffrey on those linebackers is going to be a really interesting thing, and I would imagine that's the biggest matchup of the game because that's the weak spot of that Chiefs defense. But it might not matter if Purdy doesn't have time to do anything and if the, the corners are locking down on the receivers and all you're doing is Christian McCaffrey for five, six yards up the middle. Like Chiefs are going to find ways to exploit you that way. So the thing... It's really surprising to me. It's really surprising to me that the Chiefs are underdogs going into this game because are you picking against the Chiefs? I'm not picking against the Chiefs. I'm, I already only, put a only bet on my, the Chiefs. Only my heart is picking against the Chiefs. My, well, brain yes. is, my brain is telling my heart that it's a big idiot <laughs> for sure. Because, yeah, you cannot pick against the Chiefs. Travis Kelsey, like this is what happened. I, I you know, I got, we're getting big yetied right now. This guy can't be stopped out there. I mean, yeah. my goodness, during the year, you were convinced, like, oh, is it the Taylor curse? Is he hurt a little bit? No, this guy's perfectly fine. And it's almost like, you know, it's almost like they've had so many of these runs that essentially they are just like, you know, like very comfortable with like, oh, rest up. You know, they're not stressing it when they're having issues, which is crazy. Uh, four in six years is crazy, no matter how they win or lose. To make four Super Bowls in six years like, and that's is why- nuts. And that's why Bills fans are losing their brains with the fact that we don't have one with Josh. If you look at it, it's so typical. I think someone posted over the last 20 years, there's been 18 NFC quarterbacks in the Super Bowl. Over the last 20 years, there's been six AFC quarterbacks in the Super Bowl. So it's just like a mind fuck because this Super Bowl is supposed to be difficult. And really, it shouldn't be just the quarterback. It's, it's the most team sport almost out of any of them with 11 guys on each side, every down. I mean, but somehow we're in this algorithm, Micah, where, you know, right after Brady left and we had this era of dominance in our own division, now we've got this guy still unleashing yeah. within our own conference. Yeah, is it worse that we're close to them now and, and keep getting close and losing to the team? Or was the division just destroying us all that time with Brady? I think the, the underrated point about this Chiefs run is the fact that Brett Veach is one of the best general managers in football and continues to put a team out there that's championship worthy, fixing holes on the defense, even when the defense wasn't strong like it was this year. Like, they found ways to do it. Letting go of Tyreek Hill. Two years in a row, they made the Super Bowl without Tyreek Hill. That seemed to be a good decision. They paid more on, paid more for defensive guys, invested more on that side, and figured Mahomes could get it done. Andy Reid, going to be one of the best five coaches of all time, maybe the best two or three by the time we're done with it. Like, it's not – it is Mahomes. Mahomes is obviously the most important ingredient. He's MVP level. He's one of the greatest quarterbacks we'll ever see play. But Veach and Reed, like the trifecta of the front office, the coaching, and the players on the field, they're just a perfectly run organization. So I feel like that's not enough credit. When everybody goes into the Mahomes conversation, it's like, okay, well, Reed is like the perfect coach for Mahomes. We've known that. And Veach has been able to field this roster 
which everybody says when you start paying the quarterback, it gets harder and all these other things. Like he's just had them consistently good now, even before Mahomes. Like they were still winning divisions. They were still competing with Alex Smith at quarterback and Andy Reid too. This has been a great run for the Chiefs. It's been almost seven, eight years now where they've been one of the top teams in the AFC. You just have to give your hats off to uh, the organization for keeping it rolling like that. It's hard. Well, of credit to them for being able to sit Patrick Mahomes that first year. Yeah. That always goes a long way. By the way, we did pseudo get that in Buffalo because Josh got hurt. He was able to sit for six weeks and kind of play a little bit and then step back and look at the game a little bit differently. Uh, but yeah, like you said, it's just a well-run organization. It's hard to be kind of like it's it's not hard to be mad at. It's easy to be pissed about how well run they are. <laughs> I and, yesterday, and by the way, and by the way, you think it's easy to just win with Mahomes? Uh, he was thirteen and nineteen at Texas Tech, so don't act yeah. like it's just like Mahomes could well, do whatever he wants. Exactly. It's a team sport, but obviously he's taking it to another level in the NFL. Um, just to put it, we'll do a little wrap on our sports talk and then we'll get into some Royal Rumble here on Trainwreck tonight, two, 327. Get out here with the 237, 327. Uh, first, Sabres, uh, they have a week off, but UPL dominated still. Uh, Saber metric posted that. I don't even know if I have to add on to this point at all, but UPL is basically the best goalie charts-wise that they've had in 16 years, Micah. <laughs> I did not see that. It's it's nuts, bro. But like, shout out to you. You've been on the bandwagon from the start, like believing in it. I always had like, I was not, I never thought he could pull this off, but I was always, when we we're talking goalie conversations on Twitter and everything else, I'm like, can we like at least give him till he's 24, 25 years old? Like the, the adage about goalies is that they always take longer than defensemen or forwards to develop in the NHL. It's amazing that he's doing this with the, the team that's in front of him. Like this team is just, the most average of average hockey teams. And he is out there putting out crazy numbers. It's something that they, I saw Dwayne say the other day that they should look to trade him. I'm like, he's the only piece I would not trade at this point. Like you can't count on Levi developing into a starter at this point. And this team has had such inconsistent goaltending that the thought of losing the one guy, like you said, 16 years is a crazy stat. The thought of losing that guy terrifies me. Like we need as many pieces on this team to build on as we can. So it's been awesome to see, and it's a bright spot, uh, obviously, for this frustrating uh, Sabres season for a lot of fans. Yeah, I don't know whether it's, like, literally a bright spot that makes you happier. look to the future. Because, obviously, I mean, I think that UPL is their guy. I don't think there's any chance they get rid of him, given the fact that they stuck with him through all the struggles. They stuck with him to this point. I mean, his trade value was almost at zero at certain points, <laughs> like, last year and the last two years. But they stuck with him, so it's hard for me to believe that oh, they're just going to get rid of him now that he's good when it's kind of paying off for the first time. But, you know, every, listen, the organization needs to do what the organization needs to do. I love UPL. It's great that, you know, his – like there have been points at UPL where, you know, we've been on like the front of the Titanic. I, I've been using this example for the second time in 10 days. Literally spanning our arms, and there's been times where the ship was taken on water. So we've survived to this point. We'll see what goes on after this break. But hopefully UPL can rest up. Hopefully Levi can take a step in the second half of the season. And hopefully the Sabres can go on a run. 8% to make the playoffs, but maybe they can get a little entertaining for us. So hey, where were we at with the Bills? We were at, I think, on that first We were graphic, right around there. We were right around there. It was 8 right to 10% there. for sure. So it's time for the Picasso, <laughs> the outlet liquor playoff push for uh, for, the, for the Buffalo Sabres. Speaking of push, NBA story. So, Micah, <laughs> I look at half on Friday night. Luka Doncic has 41 against against the Hawks. I mean, does anybody play defense nowadays? Or is this just a matter of, you know, like regular season, you know, hero ball is going to take over. 
I think it's a little bit of both. I, there is not, listen, no one's playing hard defense into February, into March. And that's the biggest NBA, the biggest problem the NBA has, there's just too many damn games. And these, the players have decided that there's too many games, right? Like whether, you, whether people agree with it or not, the players are like 82, probably not going to happen. Like for any of us. So I think that's the biggest issue is that night to night, you don't know which team is going to feel that type of way. The biggest problem with NBA scoring to me remains the three point line. And I, people are going to hate like people. That's a very touchy subject about changing the three point line, pushing it back. I'm in favor of get, getting rid of the corners, just having it go right to the corner, getting rid of the easiest shot in basketball, where it's basically a layup for guys. The three-point shooting is ridiculous at this point. You look at the Celtics, like the Celtics are the best team in basketball, all these metrics, everything else. They shoot like 43s a game. Like how like it's just a math problem. It's not, there's no creativity of you can just bomb threes like that. Also, that usually comes back to bite you in the playoffs. You're the team that only shoots threes because if you go cold for a couple games and defense actually tightens up, it can get problematic. I think the biggest problem is the the spacing and where that three-point line is. I think they need to push it back. A foot like everybody's too good everybody comes in like kids that that are there was a video of a guy kid at boston garden he couldn't have been eight years old and he hit like three three pointers in a row coming down the court like I, could you hit a three-pointer when you were eight years old I ha, 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 air ball guaranteed air ball guaranteed like on one or two of them for sure because you, you felt like you were hoisting yes. now it now it feels like this you're right though I mean, it's a tough call for Adam Silver. By the way, I think they're talking about uh, isn't Adam Silver in uh, contract negotiations right now? He is. Yeah. This is a big. This is a big topic then because I don't think there's a lot of things plaguing the Adam Silver NBA. But I think if you were probably gonna nitpick, and this would be one of them, right? He's done about, a great job. Best commissioner in sports. He's done a great job. I would say yes, the best commissioner yeah. in sports with the hand he's been dealt and everything else. But also, they have a TV deal about to come up, right? And you look at like with all these partners that are going to be getting involved and how much money, like as we're going to talk about the Royal Rumble, like how much money is going into live sports? Why would you pay this premium if you have guys that are choosing to sit out all these games? Like the bit, the length of the season, I say three pointers. That's one thing like on the court, the length of the season is the biggest thing. Will they give up that money? Probably not. But you have a Joel Embiid who has not played in Denver in four years, four years. He hasn't, or five years, 2024, since 2019 and Saturday, I'm getting ready for the Royal Rumble like we all were. I'm about to lock into Nuggets Nuggets Sixers to get ready in 30 minutes before and be sitting out. And that's your biggest issue is these guys are not going to play all these games. So why yeah. would national TV like like that's a Saturday triple header ABC Rivals week. This whole Sa- Saturday week. night before the Rumble, we're watching 76ers Nuggets. This is you're, you're talking about this, right? It's supposed yeah. to be Embiid Jokic. Uh, my guy literally asked me, I don't even know the answer. He goes, why isn't Embiid playing? I go, probably because they played last night. <laughs> like, just like, it doesn't even need it to be an injury. You're not like, oh, did he, you're not like, oh, did he get injured? You're literally just like, oh, they probably are on a back-to-back. And that's Crazy. like, it's, and that's like, I, I hate doing this take a lot because I, it's, players are never going to agree to it, but it's just, it's ridiculous to the, for the league to keep looking at it. Like, this is feasible. How are you trying to tell even the most hardcore NBA fans it's really hard to convince them to be like this January basketball game matters and it's yeah. really hard to have a six-month season and then ask everybody to invest for three months of basketball mind you the NBA playoffs it, it feels like a different sport now like it literally feels like you're watching a whole different product when it's on the court so they got that's the figuring out they need to do the in-season tournament was a nice little like they need it seems fix, the answers right in front of them they need a January tournament automatic automatic tournaments NBA playoff bid on the line. No matter where you are in the standings, that would be sick. Hey, I would. Be, I'm with it. 
I would like that. Especially if you do that later in the season, that makes a lot more sense than yeah. that. Yeah. I'm with it. That was the idea. Keep it moving. Keep the part of the season important that we got to go. Speaking of importance, Royal rumble. When did you realize that Cody Rhodes was going to win? Cause there was an aura in sports city. It got heads up and they started doing their match and they were kind of, then you realize like Cody is almost the play here. Cody's almost the obvious winner. I think it got right back to 50, 50 after, after they each kind of started hitting some moves when it got to one-on-one. I had the faith by the end of it. I was like, all right, it's down. Oh yeah. You, you like, do Saturday morning. I'm an idiot. Well, I, I did it. I was, if you look at, I got my notebook right here. I had my rumble picks right now. I had Cody. And then as we're sitting there talking, I crossed it out, wrote punk. Then I wrote Cody again. Then I wrote punk. And then Rob Ryan, thank God came through the clutch. and was like, we need to stop this craziness. Cody's winning. I was like, you know what, Rob, thank you for that. And it, it just felt like, and I know that obviously there's reports of Punk being hurt and everything today, but didn't it just look like when Cody was out there and Punk was out there before, like Cody just had, I mean, Cody got the pyro, bro. Like Cody got this entrance. The fans wanted Cody pyro. for sure. Yeah. There was no like Punk, 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 Punk going on. It was all Cody at that point. Yeah, and it felt like, it did feel like it was 50-50 a little bit down to it, but as it was coming down, it just was like, you can't take this away from this guy in this spot and just how over he still is. Like, that was our biggest worry last year, talking about WrestleMania. It was like, can Cody really be this big? No, he's just bigger and better than he ever has been. I'll eat eat all the salsa on that one. I absolutely thought that he was going to come back to WWE and they were going to bury him. They would give him a payday. They would give him the security. He'd be able to work for his dad's company, et cetera, et cetera. But he wasn't going to be able to achieve this dream. He's lived. He's he's been everything WWE could have hoped for in about three X. I would say. Bro, was he like the best baby face what, since when? Top since, baby face in wrestling for for years. For like, years, Cena never got to this much of universal love. Like Cena had like WWE love, and like hardcore fans hated him. Like Cody has the WWE Mir- fans miracle in one on hand. Bourbon Street esque. First time <laughs> in ten years we've seen uh, the fans behind a guy like this. But I think no, so. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. That's but that's where I mean it was electric though the whole way through like the the rumble was I thought both rumbles were really good honestly there's uh, not a lot of surprise spots in the men's rumble but they didn't need to do it because they just have a roster that you just want to see like all these guys kind of interacting but yeah it felt right and then had to have Roman and Seth up in the boxes and Cody point right up to Roman you get to see, see that his, and that chop. that right away. Cody pointing to Roman and being like, I'm coming for you, motherfucker, is way better than CM Punk and Seth, like, glaring at each other. Because they would have only done, like, little glares and, like, little soft cells. Them being like, oh, my gosh. It just, again, how many times have we said, you know, I think it goes back years now on Wrestling With Emotion, our, uh, you know, podcast where we cover all things wrestling, Wrestle W Emotion on Twitter and Instagram. But we've said, you know, WWE or wrestling just doesn't take the easy thing that's right in front of them. And even though Cody running it back seems a little rep- repetitious, uh, re- repetition, uh, you know, that's exactly what fans want. So can't be too upset about that. Um, real quick, before we get into the women's match, did you think that, or, or how close, how excited was Alex when he thought that AJ Styles was about to stack the tribal <laughs> chief, LA Knight, and Randy Orton? I will say once he uh once he hit that styles clash, he made a he made a comment to me like, well, Roman wasn't kicking out of that at least. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, they they made the Roman match. Jesus. <laughs> it was so, that was a great that was a great four-way. I I enjoyed it. I think it picked up later on and Roman Definitely. Roman is gotten so much like if you would have asked me 10 years ago, which is really when this Roman run started, when he run the rumble. 
like I was just like, man, he just really like bell to bell, like here's some spots, but it's not consistent. Now Roman has just found like the pace of everything and you know what you're getting out of his matches, but I feel like it does, it hits all the beats it needs to do. And with all those four competitors in there, it felt like it flowed really well. I like that match a lot. You're right. I don't know if it was getting Heyman or maybe just like the aura of having Heyman talking to him all the time, things like that. But for me, it'll always, I'll always remember Saudi when he was facing Logan Paul one-on-one and he had Logan Paul in the headlock and he just started yelling at, at the camera to other influencers, Mr. Beast, like, don't, don't, that, like that is just so funny. Like, and he does, and it, those mannerisms, that confidence, he really takes everywhere to where now when he doesn't look confident, it's like great. Like you can tell, like, there's really just like, it's a great character. That's the problem, right? Is Roman's been getting this push for 10 years and the last two to three years have been by far the best part of it. So it's like almost like you want it to end because it's been going on so long. But at this point, it's also like the best part of the Roman Reigns movie. It really has. Like as mad as I want to be and like I wanted Cody to win last year, like I can't be mad at how the Bloodline Sega played out. I can't be mad at like what Ro- – like I can be mad that Roman doesn't show up as much anymore, but you can't be mad at his signing a contract to only show up 12 dates a year or whatever it is. Like I would do that in a heartbeat too. And he – like you said – the mannerisms, like the way he did. I think the pandemic wrestling really helped that with him, like, because it was more just acting and like, like being on, you know, just having to sell a story like on us without the crowd reaction and everything else. I think that helped Roman get that confidence. Same thing with Bailey too, who was basically rewarded for that too. Jay White. I was going to say, let, let's let's talk Blair's point here real quick, because Jay White, it seems like Triple H made a little, you know, snarl at the forbidden door, but, he's, <laughs> but that's also because he doesn't have anybody coming through it to WWE. I, I think that that's that's a little bit of snarkiness because all these N- NJPW guys just decided to sign with the other company anyways. So it's it's a it's a tough time. I think Jay White would have been, he, I think they tried to sign him too. Like, I don't think it was hundred percent. Yeah, he would have been great in this rumble. He was very close. I remember that there was talks that week, and then all of a sudden he just showed up five minutes into a dynamite. It was awesome. And yeah. by the way, I do think the the Bang Bang Scissor Gang has hope. So, uh, so I'm not I don't I'm not one of those people in our chat who it. believes Jay White's buried yet. But speaking of not buried, Jade Cargill makes her debut. First off, great women's rumble. I think the uh, the reaction across the board is that the women's rumble was actually the superior of the two matches, and I'm inclined okay. to agree. Uh, the Jade Cargill debut. Uh, um, sorry, uh, Trinity, uh, coming back, obviously, um, just a, just a ton of awesome moments. I mean, I feel like Jade really got over here as a superstar though. Holy shit. You don't see that too often on WWE TV. No, not at all. Jordan Grace showing up from TNA. Jordan Grace, a huge by the way, deal. So I showed up. So here's the thing. I was running late to Sports City and I showed up 15 minutes in. So nobody told me about Jordan Grace. And I had to see like that, that, uh, or sorry, that Naomi, was uh in the in the ring already like because she was doing her like lay down where she yeah. got in for, like twenty minutes or whatever I'm like nobody told me yes yeah, so I was out of the loop <laughs> on those debuts but yeah great great moments great match overall of course it was yeah it was a great it was a great start to that with those people in there but Jade the they did it perfectly like her lifting up Naya with ease like it didn't look like it stressed her at all and like we've never even seen Naya really like in a precarious position like maybe charlotte has slammed her like that before but charlotte definitely was not doing it that effortlessly it was a perfect perfect use of maybe bianca too but still i think jade like blew it out of the water it was a perfect debut for her the stare down with bianca with the mania thing in the background are they going to be together are they going to fight each other that was insane the framing on that whoever got that frame great 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 job uh ringside uh camera person for sure 
Um, yeah, Jade had an awesome debut. Um, she ends up getting kind of like down to the nitty gritty. I uh, thought she might, Slick was hoping she might win. I'm putting words in his mouth for sure. Uh, yeah, and you got Bel Air, Blair saying the Bel Air Jade face off table money. Sure, that's exactly what they want you to think. Exactly. That's the perfect debut. That's why debuting someone from out of the company in the Royal Rumble is the best because you can execute a couple of those like face to faces and things like that. Always good. Uh, but it gets down to Bailey and Liv coming in at 30. Were you surprised by Liv? Um, I was hoping that she'd be back. I wasn't sure. The surprise to see her at 30 and or yeah, I think she came out at 30, right? And then to see her at the very end there with Bailey. But a great spot for Liv. Obviously, they still have big plans for her coming back from this. But I, I missed the ball on this. I didn't pick Bailey. Everybody was going Bailey on the picks. I'm like, is it really that obvious that Bailey is like gonna like come on? Like Bailey can get there other ways, but she really has like done everything in this company for like putting everybody over has always been the foil especially on this heel run been the foil for every star that they've had put them over you think about bianca like that feud how much it did for her like she deserved this moment and if dave goes if now we don't know don't, what that don't 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 forget at the SummerSlam when eo sky runs to cashes in she gives the briefcase to bailey who takes out wow. the opponents that was, yeah, big. was great, great moment was great moment for sure if uh, night yeah. one, uh, if night one finishes with Bailey with the hugger music celebrating now with the title, because we don't know what the mania main event's gonna be, that's a pretty damn good way to end your your first night of WrestleMania. If you got Bailey and Cody, God willing, holding the titles at the end of your two nights, you're gonna have a lot of happy wrestling fans going forward. So I I, I agree with the move, huge. Yeah, I'm looking forward to my role model. I it's very funny because what I said on our preview show was that Bailey had by far the best story going into the Royal rumble of like a potential where it could go from there. And I ignored that advice on Cody Rhodes who had by far the best story, <laughs> but I, I went with the punk Rollins long-term angle there, obviously. Uh, but yeah, Royal rumble was great. And we are on the road to WrestleMania. Micah, obviously, like we said, we've already got news. CM Punk, the runner up to the Royal rumble uh, hurt. This is devastating news. People are saying four to six months. This could be wrestling talk. That's why I love dirt sheets. That's why I love it all. Even when they're completely wrong. Um, a little devastating though, obviously it takes the wind out of our sails a bit. Yeah, it's, it's tough. And it's like, just wish he could stay healthy. Like this run is just like, there's going to be a lot of different things talked about this second run. There's a lot of great matches. There's obviously a lot of backstage drama that goes on, but he's also just been hurt. Like if he doesn't get hurt a lot of these times, who knows if this drama and all the things even play out the way that it does. Cause a lot of it was him sitting at home. Yeah, oh, this is the worst thing. Triple H has got to be shaking in his boots right now. <laughs> a hurt CM Punk is a dangerous It's CM a dangerous Punk. game, man. He for might sure. just be on IG <laughs> for too long. But hopefully, hopefully you're right. Hopefully they're using some wrestling math in here. But it that's was what I'm hoping. Maybe they got like six to eight weeks and they're like, okay, we can get him to the performance center in like mid-March and like start working him hard for like two to three weeks before Mania. But that's why you give it to Cody, the guy who's been your workhorse, who's younger, who's been the star, like working more and more. Like it's it's much less of a risk. And you already have an injured Rollins on the other side. Who knows what he's even going to do like with the title going forward. Now Raw though got very interesting tonight and going forward because we thought we knew the plan. We thought we know how it goes. They could go a million different directions with this world heavyweight title scene. So it might work out better for their WrestleMania season hype, even if Punk being there is going to be a big blow for a lot of his fans. You know what would be a great storyline? And this would be best because I think Punk even alluded to it like, you know, you're on the cover of the WWE video game, but someone's coming back to take your spot and it's me. And the whole play was that that was what, you know, The Rock did basically to him 10 years earlier. 
They should have The Rock come back and say that he's going to challenge Seth Rollins <laughs> at Mania and literally just have CM Punk go berserk. They, like that, they're playing into the the angle that he like hates him anyway. Like I feel like that would be such a good storyline, and you could play it in the way that like somehow The Rock doesn't get it, and it foils off to like the SummerSlam head of the table uh, match that a lot of people are alluding to that could happen. So that's the way I can see it happening. I just feel like anytime you can include The Rock, it's always a little bit better. But a lot to look forward to, despite the CM Punk injury, unfortunately. Yeah, for sure. Um, and speaking of a lot to look forward to, we are winding down here on Trainwreck tonight. 327. Make sure you're following on all platforms, Facebook, Twitter, X, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, uh, because this weekend we are going to be live at 365 Sports Bar and Grill for the Kitten Bowl 2024. It'll be a perfect day to get out and check some kitten action that is truly unforgettable. It is going to be 10 Lives Club versus Salino HVAC, by the way. Inside Trainwreck Sports, we have a new sponsor, Salino HVAC Plumbing. If you got something in the house, if you need anything done, underground work, anything at all, Salino, 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 HVAC and Plumbing, 6-9 flush, folks, 6-9 flush, okay? Make sure you're supporting them just like you support this train. And again, if you want to come support and check out some awesome action and what we've already discussed is going to be a light sports weekend, come get the light sports weekend started the right way at 365 Sports Bar and Grill uh, in Chictawaga, I want to say right next to the Buffalo airport, but, uh, but yes, check that out. Uh, and then one other thing tomorrow night, <laughs> remember all, uh, remember all last year when I was saying that AEW is being victimized by Vanderpump? Well, it's back again, but this time it's on Tuesday night. So AEW has no excuse this year. Vanderpump rules is back starting tomorrow. Trainwreck, Have we ever done, we've done watching on like streaming series. We're going to be diving into the world of reality TV I will be breaking down these episodes with Aaron Quinn of Cover One. We might have some guests in, but we'll be doing power rankings, Vanderpump power rankings, and, of course, live reactions after the episode. Uh, A lot going on, Mike. A lot going on. A lot going on. Can't wait to watch you guys and lock in. I have not caught up on Vanderpump where I'm I'm like two seasons in. I'm very late on my rewatch. Oh, you're you're good. You're good, though. Yeah, I'm getting in. We're getting into it, getting into the nitty gritty. But I'm, I'm still, I'm jumping right in and seeing what's going on now. Like I'm at least caught up on the. On the oh, YouTube. you're gonna be, you're gonna be, gonna uh, be absolutely bonkers by what you're seeing. So <laughs> that's what we're hoping for the fans. Again, yes. this, those are gonna be at 10 p.m. because they'll be right, or sorry, at 9 p.m. right after the episode, uh, for about five to 10 minutes. Myself and Aaron Quinn will be live with train wreck rules, whatever we want to call it, Amazing. 2024. Uh, but yeah, so exciting. We got new sponsors. We got new shows. We got new kinds of stuff going on. We got the Buffalo bracket a month and a half away, Micah. But we got, Ooh. I mean, it's just slow and steady. The train never stops. Yeah, never stops. Shout out. Uh, shout out my parents. Love you guys. Let's go. Shout doing. out yeah. Micah's parents. I got to shout out these guys. First off, shout out the crew at Sports City Pizza Pub for the uh, Royal Rumble this past week. Shout out Damone for having his birthday there. He came by and celebrated his birthday that night with us. Uh, but shout out to McAdoo and Rob Ryan live streaming for three hours plus this weekend during the Royal Rumble. So shout out to you boys. Well done. Well yeah. done. Well done. Killed it. Seriously. That, uh, that it, Cody reaction from them was, was legendary. They, it were, was. they were in it, man. <laughs> That's why you do it. That is why you do it folks. And that is why you follow along on trainer. Make sure you're following on SoundCloud, uh, Apple podcasts and Spotify, because folks, again, remember this train never stops. 
Uh, again, Tuesday night, we got uh, Trainer Rules. We'll have a new episode of HHH, I'm sure, this week. Yes, um, and obviously, action this weekend at the Kitten Bowl at 365 Sports Bar and Grill. But the most important thing is it's the beginning of the week. We got Monday out of the way. So everyone go have a good, good night. night now.